Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 10 of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I know it's been a minute since I recorded a podcast. And and truth be told, we took a a trip to Peru, a week-long trip. It was just absolutely phenomenal. If that isn't on your bucket list, it should be Machu Picchu, really a spiritual experience, Rainbow Mountain, highly recommend. This was something that was covered up by by glaciers, and we only recently got to be able to see uh, all the different colors, all the different minerals, and uh, 16,000 feet up in in the air. Uh, We ended up taking some ATVs up there, which was amazing, and then obviously Peru is is known for uh, its cuisine. The food, especially in Lima, absolutely phenomenal, although we went to Cusco, got to spend a lot of time there. Food was great. Even got to hit up uh, the, the dunes in uh, Wacachina. And, and so you, know, you got the coastal life there in, in Lima and then the dunes and, and the dune buggies and the desert in Ica. And then you travel to Cusco and obviously you've got the Andes Mountains there. You know, we didn't even get to touch the rainforest and go in, into the Amazon yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going back and, and experiencing Peru again. But when you take an excursion like that, you take a trip, it's a lot harder to get back into the flow of, of, of being able to catch up on, not only on the games and your notes, but then also being able to get the, the podcast recorded. So what I really wanted to do was spend a lot of time studying the players, getting through a lot of the game film as, as I could, and, and really having a better understanding of these players before I did record my next podcast because I didn't want to be a little bit behind. And I feel like now is the right time to jump right back into things because, look, there's a lot of football left to be played during the 2023 college football season before we even hit any of the pre-draft process. So let's go ahead and jump right into things. And when you look at, you know, if we talk position by position, we look at the quarterback position and obviously, you know, Caleb Williams and the story there, Heisman Trophy winner, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, I think for the first part of the season, it was looking like, hey, this is a good chance to be the first Heisman Trophy winner, uh, dual Heisman Trophy winner since Archie Griffin. But, uh, you know, some of those games, the six touchdowns there against Colorado and then Arizona willing, putting the team on his back, not having the best day throwing the football, but willing that team to victory, third overtime, coming around and into the boundary and being able to extend that football on the inside of the pylon. Just absolutely phenomenal work. Then against Notre Dame, he throws those three interceptions. That's really was the beginning of the end of his Heisman campaign because you know he, he ends up losing uh, the Trojans, that is, uh, you know, four of their next five games. That was really the catalyst there with, with that Notre Dame team. And really they're playing the upper echelon and really the back half of that uh, that schedule for the Trojans was going to be uh, merciless but when you look at Notre Dame this was a team that really put a lot of pressure on Caleb Williams I think the offensive line finally got exposed against the Irish and uh, obviously we know what's happened with that defense you know when you talk about uh, you know 50 plus plays from scrimmage this is a defense that ranks 133rd out of 133 FBS programs at this point. So we knew that Alex Grinch was going to go. But you watch that Notre Dame game, and yes, he was pressing a little bit, but you know he was under pressure on the first interception that he threw, and uh, he hits, uh, tried to hit Lake McCree up the seam, threw it a little bit high because of the pressure. Xavier Watts ends up picking it off. This was a throw that he was able to hit later on in the game. Um, 
the, the second interception was a tip ball. You know, I, I think with this, he was rolling out to his left and actually, I, I want to say he was rolling out to his left. He may have been, may have just slid in the pocket, but uh, he had Dorian Singer coming free and had that ball not been tipped, he hits Dorian Singer for a big play. Third play, though, is really the one that got him into trouble. Rolling out to the left, a lot of times you know, we'd see him with that, that amazing torque that he has, that arm talent, and being able to roll out to the left and then still be able to slingshot it back you know, across his body, make that throw, and unfortunately he didn't see Xavier, uh, uh, Xavier Watts. I'm sorry, I want to say it was Benjamin Morrison that was underneath the play because it was Xavier Watts who picked off the tip pass. Benjamin Morris in the corner coming underneath and picking off the pass. Um, you know, against Utah, those over 70% completion percentage. A guy that was doing it with both his legs and his arm. And uh, the, the duel there uh, against Washington, uh, 312 yards and three touchdowns. He and Michael Penix Jr. just going back and forth. And even against Oregon, uh, over 290 yards passing, just the one touchdown. Had a touchdown on the ground. But this is a guy, look, he's had to essentially put this team on his back. So when you watch him and you see how exhausted he is, that is legitimate. He is legitimately tired because he's spending so much time running for his life. You know, this is a guy who, you, know, you watch the early pressure. He has got pressure, guys in his face so early on a lot of his throws that he has to end up you know, escaping the pocket and making the these dynamic plays, avoiding guys, then being able to get the head back around. You saw that against Washington. You know, he avoids the rush, kind of spins around, resets his feet and fires a strike to, to Brendan Rice, uh, you know, at the... The, the pylon, one of the things for me with Caleb Williams, we know from the improvisation, he's a, the first thing that, that we've seen that's, that can resemble Patrick Mahomes out on a college football field. But look, can he, you know, we know that. We know that he can play off platform, but can he play within the pocket? Can he play within the confines of an offense? And that's really the big question mark. I think that was a question mark that we had with Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out of Texas Tech. Uh, but Caleb, one of the things that I've seen, especially in the last couple of games, is his ability to uh, stand tall within the pocket. You see some of the manipulation. He's not necessarily pulling it and taking off and running like like you saw before. This is a guy who was able to slide either left or right to buy a little bit of time. Uh, you know, you saw some pinpoint accuracy with some of his throws down the sideline. You know, and that's really an area that I think he still needs to work on because those throws, getting it to the to the wide side down the side, really just outside the numbers in general, down the sideline, still struggles with some of that. You still see him with the inability to, uh, you know, not, not just speed up the process a little bit at times because there, there are times where, you know, you need him to get rid of the football and instead of taking what the defense gives him, there are times where he's looking to make the bigger play. He's looking down the field as opposed to taking the underneath throw. And then obviously the, the ball uh, ball security, that's going to be the biggest thing and the really the, the one thing that teams are going to be pointing at is over 30 fumbles. Um, you know, because he had two against Oregon. I think at 32 now since 2020, uh, 2021. That's the most in the FBS. He's lost eight now after Evan Williams recovered the fumble there uh, against Oregon. And so that's going to be a huge concern. You've got a guy who's able to do a lot of uh, magnificent things with his feet and the, the improv and then the ability to throw, you know, just he looks like a shortstop a lot of times. His ability to drop the arm angle and you know, some of the quick throws, but then the ability to throw on the run as well, whether it's to the left or to the right, you know, just really phenomenal athleticism. But 
can he take care of the football? That's one of the things that Patrick Mahomes has always been adept at doing is taking care of the football. And while Caleb Williams doesn't, you know, throw a ton of interceptions, you know, he's, he has five on the year and three were in one game. It's really taking care of those fumbles. That's really going to be the biggest thing going forward for Caleb Williams. I think Drake May right now, for me, is the more polished passer from within the pocket. This is a guy who uh, you know makes quick decisions. He's big. He's physical. A guy that you know he's still trying to figure out when do I run, when do I, uh, when do I throw. Uh, you'll also see some some really weird decision making at times. Um, you know, throwing uh, into coverage trusting his arm a little bit too much at times, but uh, you watch his ability to, to throw his receivers open. I think that's something that uh, is tremendous. His, his eye discipline, his ability to manipulate def, uh, to manipulate that safety, remarkable. And so when you talk about the top two quarterbacks, Caleb Williams and Drake May, really it's going to come down to you know, pick your poison. Which, which quarterback are you looking for? That's why I have them as 1A and 1B in my rankings. The, really the, the, the question is, is who's going to be the quarterback after that? I think there are a lot of quarterbacks, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels has emerged now. And then that second tier, you've got Jordan Travis and Michael Pratt, Spencer Rattler, Cameron Ward, uh, Joe Milton. Some of these guys are juniors, you know, in the case of, of Pratt, Ward, you know, these guys could come back, McCarthy as well, uh, come, you know, could come back for another season. Um, but when I look at this, Bo Nix, I, I think he may be the, the Heisman favorite now. Um, you know, I think the Pac-12 is is keeping that Heisman in, in its last two seasons of existence. You know, the Pac-12 will, will have the last two Heisman, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but when you look at Bo Nix, for where he came, you know, there at that, you know, as an Auburn freshman, you know, and I know Patrick Nix's dad, you know, had all that success there with the Tigers, all the pressure on him. He did not. I did not understand the hype. I did not understand it because I didn't see enough on the film that said, yeah, this is going to be a difference maker there at Oregon. But what he's been able to do, look, 57 starts under his belt. I mean, that's that's a, an FBS record. This is a guy that is in complete command of his offense. He understands where to go with the football. You know, He's able to throw off script when he needs to. Um, taking what the defense gives him, there are a lot of those throws that are underneath throws. A lot of throws right around the line of scrimmage. I understand that. That's why that completion percentage is a little bit inflated. But you watch the throws that he needs to make down the football field. He throws with velocity. You know, he can air the football out. Look, I know against USC, you know, some of the big plays, um, you know, had receivers running wide open. Uh, but one of the plays that I really loved was that pocket presence, his ability to spin away from Solomon Bird in the pocket, get that head snapped right around, and finds Tez uh, Johnson. Kalen Bullock, nowhere to be found. Kalen Bullock, to me, and sidebar, Kalen Bullock, in terms of the safeties, he's the guy that I think has hurt his draft stock the most this season. This was a guy that came in as a top three guy, a guy that people were talking about as a potential first rounder. Um, 6'3", 190. Um, he's not very physical. Doesn't wrap up. And now he's not only, you know, he used to be a center fielder, a guy that would come over the top and make plays. We've seen that a couple of times this year. There was a pick six in one of the games. But uh, what you don't get out of Kalen Bullock is that consistency. And in this game, you know, with Tez Johnson, you know, I don't know if there was just a lack of communication on the back end, but he's moving to the inside. There's an in-breaking route and uh, on a post. And ultimately, Johnson was running, running a corner and he got completely turned around. I think he was supposed to go with Johnson, and he was expecting, I think, the, the second guy in to end up taking Johnson, and he was going to end up taking 
uh, the the post and just seems to be out of position. And so I, I think if there's a safety that's that's hurt his draft stock, it's Kalen Bullock more than anybody else. But getting back to Bo Nix, uh, just like I said, the decision making has been on point the the entire season. And look, you know, the, the one thing I think the teams are going to worry about is that age now. I mean, 57 starts. I mean, that's a lot of starts, a lot of wear on that body as well. Um, but when you look at at his completion percentage, you know, you're talking about 77.7 percent. Uh, you know, at, at Auburn, man, 59.4 percent completion percentage. Um, 39 touchdowns with 16 interceptions. He's cut down on the INTs. This year, 29 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Uh, he just continues to get better and better uh, each and every season. And you know, his ability, you know, the, the first drive of the second half, you know, he was taking advantage of what the defense was giving and playing in off coverage. Didn't really need to force it. You know, six yards, seven yards, one yard, 16 yards, another seven yard or five, five. Just continuing to move the football down the field. And look, if USC was going to play in off coverage, he's going to go ahead and take advantage of that. And you saw him repeatedly making those throws. Uh, you know, the understanding, you know, he he and, and Troy Franklin, the connection is absolutely there. You see a lot of the work that's being put in as well. So to me, Bo, Bo, Bo Nix is that number three quarterback right now. J.J. Uh, McCarthy is a guy that I, I think is right there. Uh, but look, J.J. McCarthy against Penn State, I think he threw, what, eight passes the entire game. Um, you know, this is a guy, he's running an offense that is run heavy. We know this. We've got, you know, an offensive line. You've got Blake Corum. You've got Donovan Edwards. Uh, so we know that this is a, a run-first offense. Uh, but what you get with J.J. McCarthy, um, you know, he, he plays in that pro-style offense. He's a guy that has a, has a big-time arm, throws a lot of big-time throws. He and, and Roman Wilson uh, have that connection there on the outside. Uh, you see the ability uh, to make those throws, flipping the hips as he's on, on the move delivering a football down the field. You just see he's so poised in the pocket, the balance, uh, staying under control. Um, and, you know, the like I said, the accuracy is there. This is a kid who I think is, still needs to develop. I think he's still still a little green, you know, in, in terms of some of the, you know, look, the talent, though, is, is definitely off the charts. This is a guy that was able to take the, the, the ball away from Cade McNamara and take over things there. Um, I think the growth is continually, you're seeing that, the mobility, the arm strength. Now, here's the thing. You know, is this guy, you know, he, he's playing behind an offensive line that's, you know, look, it's another Joe Moore uh, finalist, I would say. But And Bo Nix, he's got an offensive line that's led by Jackson Powers Johnson, who I think is the number three center in the draft. Uh, behind Cedric Van Praan and, and uh, Zach Frazier. You watch him dominate guys. He climbs out to the second level, locks on, and then drives this guy. The athleticism along with the power and strength. You know, to me, he's he's number three. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to continue to close the gap there, especially through the pre-draft uh, pre process. I believe he's a junior, though, so he could be coming back to Eugene. And why not, especially with the way Dan Landing has things firing there uh, with the Ducks. And then Michael Penix Jr., another quarterback that we're going to talk about. You know, all three of these guys that are sitting there below uh, Williams and May, they have the benefit of playing behind these phenomenal offensive lines. Michael Penix Jr., you've got... Uh, Troy Fatanu, the left tackle, a guy who I think is going to be the number one guard. He's played his way into potentially being a first-round pick. 
We'll talk about him here in just a sec. But uh, you know, Roger Rosengarten has proven to be a, an offensive lineman who's you know an NFL caliber O lineman there on the right side as well. His offensive line, he's able to sit back and process things and make throws down the football field. Uh, you know, hitting guys. You know, I mean, you want to talk about arm strength? There's nobody who has a better arm in this year's draft other than maybe Joe Milton, than Michael Penix Jr. Being able to throw the football 40, 50 yards from from the left hash to the to the wide side of the field down the sideline uh, and put the ball where only his receiver can make the make the catch. You see the back shoulder throws. You see his ability. We. Uh, at the game against Utah, Romo Dunze gets an inside release up the seam and puts the ball right on that inside shoulder away from the corner who had that outside leverage. Just perfect pass and just right on the money. Um, you know, the thing with his arm strength is he's another guy that wants to utilize that, you know, to his advantage and, and make some ill-advised throws at times. Um, the other thing with Panics obviously, is the two knee injuries. He has two ACLs that ended his season. Also, you know, had a couple of AC joint injuries as well. You watch him. I think the last couple of games we've seen him get out and move a little bit more. You see him rolling out. You see some of the sprint outs and, and such. But he's not a guy who's going to be able to create with his legs like the other guys that we've mentioned, which is why I've got Penix Jr. there sitting there at number five. But if you put any of these guys behind the offensive lines that both Caleb Williams and Drake may have had to play behind, I, I think we're talking about different things. I think we're talking about guys that are really struggling under duress because we've seen that when Michael Penix Jr. does get a guy in his face, those throws are not very accurate, and he's not able to create on his own. Bo Nix, on the other hand, J.J. McCarthy, they are able to escape, and they are able to, to make those plays off-platform, and they are able to they've improved their accuracy in making those off-platform throws. But what Caleb Williams is doing and what Drake May is doing uh, behind porous offensive lines, um, you know, I think that's what sets them apart. I mentioned the the second group. You know, you've got Jordan Travis, who I, I think is making a, a push for that Heisman. Um, I thought the game against Miami, he was just okay, 263 yards through the air. Um, but the guy that I think is rising up the up those boards and should be there in New York, I think LSU. The fact that they've lost the game, you know, as many games. It's because of their defense. It's not because of, of Jaden Daniels one bit. Jaden Daniels, to me, is a guy who I think, in terms of the quarterback, he and Bo Nix made the biggest leaps as quarterbacks from their, their freshman year till, uh, until now. You know, Arizona, you know, he, he was a 62% you know passer, but now at, at right around 70%, 71.4 this season for LSU. Look, 30 touchdowns, just four interceptions. And then what he's able to do with his legs as well, uh, you know, over 900 yards on the ground. He's probably going to have double-digit touchdowns on the ground again. Uh, the deep ball accuracy is, is phenomenal. Um, to me, Jaden Daniels is the guy that's moved his way into that day two consideration. I think uh, Jordan Travis... Um, you know, has that day two feel possibly, possibly also, you know, uh, day three. But there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, so I think they're going to be guys that are going to be drafted higher than they probably should. Uh, but those are the guys that I'm taking a look at there. At the running back position, Audric Estime has really climbed up draft boards. Um, you know, you see the physicality, his ability to run between the tackles, but then, you know, he's, he's hurtling guys, um, you know, out, out at the second level. I want to say that was against Clemson. He hurled. Uh, Andrew McCuba and uh, you know 
when you got a guy who's 227 pounds hurdling guys, you know that, that really uh, starts to turn some heads. And, and with Estime, you know he and Jonathan Brooks, I think were kind of the two guys that everyone looked at and said, yeah, these are probably your top two running backs. You know, 988 yards this season, 13 touchdowns on the year. Uh, you know, but Estime has also shown his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. He's uh, doubled uh, the reception total this year. Only a junior, so he could come back to, to South Bend. Uh, I mentioned Jonathan Brooks. You know, this is a guy that was, look, he was the leading rusher, um, you know, six foot, 200 pounds, uh, ran with physicality, had the burst, uh, over 1,100 yards on the ground, and, uh, and 10 touchdowns, also 25 receptions with 11.4 yards per, per reception. Um, but he tears that ACL I think with the rehab and everything else, this is a guy, look, as, as a running back, you're probably going to need to come back for one more year. We saw that with Blake Corum. With Blake Corum, look, you know, there, there's nobody better within five yards than Blake Corum in this year's draft. You know, Obviously, when you've got an offensive line that he has blocking for him, it makes his job a lot easier. Uh, but look, you know, last year, seventh in the Heisman voting despite the, the ACL injury, uh, over 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns. He probably would have entered the draft last year. Uh, you know, and been that that number two, number three running back, probably behind both Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. This year, 794 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns. A guy who also has 50 receptions, catching the football out of the backfield. But the thing with the knee injury was, you saw the vertical, you know, speed. You saw his ability to get outside. You saw the burst. The burst was still there. But the really the biggest thing was, are we going to see that lateral agility? Because that's what really set him apart with those jump cuts and you know being able to press the line of scrimmage the vision to see the hole, and then put that foot in the ground and get there in a hurry. We are seeing that out of Blake Corum. You know, we didn't see it at the start of the season, but that's something that we're continuing to see as the season progresses. Travion Henderson is back to his ways again. He's battled some injuries as well. So, I mean, when these guys, you know, Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders is finally back from injury. Um, so, you know, some of these top running backs have allowed guys like Bucky Irving and Trey Benson to really rise up draft boards. I've got them at number four and number five, respectively. Bucky Irving, he's only 5'10", 190 pounds, but the junior, uh, the contact balance, the physicality with which he plays, this is a guy that can play out on the outside um, and between the tackles. Tremendous vision. The contact balance is tremendous. Um, you know, He's going to be back-to-back 1,000-yard rushers there for the Ducks. Already has 10 touchdowns on the season. And then the receptions. 71 receptions in the last two seasons, including 40 so far this year. Uh, you know, he's dynamic in space and a guy, once you get the football to him, you see the acceleration. But, you know, if we talk about acceleration, then we have to mention Trey Benson as well. 6'1", 211. Um, I thought, you know, there was a play that only went for seven, ultimately only got credited for seven yards, but a 46-yarder against Miami. He catches, uh, you know, this pitch into the into the boundary. And you watch him set up the guy. I, you know, I, I, it's, I'm blanking on the name. I think it was a linebacker that was getting to the outside, and he was able to kind of hesitate and then set up, get out, get to the outside, and then down the sideline. And you watch this explosive burst. He planted and cut back to the inside just a little bit, and that was where he, he ended up getting called out of bounds. But you watch him split the defense and just break these uh, these angles. Both he and, and Bucky Irving have that speed to be able to do that. Watching Braylon Allen, he's starting to catch the football out of the backfield a little bit more. I think that's something that everyone wanted to see. Donovan Edwards looks like a receiver running his routes. I think that's one of the things that's going to definitely help him. Um, even though when we talk about Donovan Edwards, he hasn't touched the football a ton there at uh, um, 
at, at, at Michigan because obviously when you have Blake Corum running the football, he's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Just 84 carries for 284 yards with 24 receptions. He has 62 uh, receptions in his career, 11.1 yards per reception. So obviously that's going to go a long way. Uh, by contrast, if you talk about Braylon Allen this year in the – uh, in Luke Fickle's offense, or really it's, it's Phil Longo's offense, 25 catches but just 4.2 yards per reception. A lot of throws right around the line of scrimmage for Braylon Allen, a guy that, look, you know, he got banged up, uh, you know, at, at points during the season as well. So, you know, Braylon Allen, though, he's a one-cut-and-go type of a runner. I think that's really the big thing that you see out of him more than anything else right now. Um, when you talk about uh, Ray Davis, Ray Davis is, is a physical runner there for Kentucky and uh, uh, a, a guy that I think has just continued to develop as, as a running back. Um, 929 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5.8 yards per carry. Um, you know, a guy that also has, you know, can catch the football out of the backfield as well. So, you know, he's a guy that I think has continued to, to impress and uh, is moving up some draft boards. Um, I know a lot of people love uh, Marshawn Lloyd and you know myself included. I think the 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 burst, the feet. He's got some of the quickest feet out of this entire running back group. But man, the ball security. This is a guy that just seems to uh, either you know drop balls, you know fumbles uh, at the most inopportune times. And, and I think that's one of the things that USC has to kind of temper things a little bit because look, he, you know when he has the football, you know 7.4 yards per recept or par, yards per carry, but the fumbles, that's going to come back to bite you. So ball security, a huge issue there uh, for uh, Marshawn Lloyd. When you get to the receivers, this is going to be a special receiver group. Uh, you know, I think there could be as many as 13, 14 guys taken in the top in the first two rounds. Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously, is he the best player in this year's draft? I mean, you can make the argument. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but you, know, you can make that argument. 6'3", 202, um, you know, there are just things that this guy can do that no other receiver can. You know, when you look at his, his size, his ability still to be able to drive off the football, to be able to sink those hips, run those crisp routes, be able to be physical when he needs to, that catch radius, huge hands. Um, Marvin Harrison, you know, he, he runs those, those drag routes, right? And then he makes the catch, and then he runs away from the de from the defense. People say that he doesn't really make plays after the catch. Look, you don't have to sit there and, and juke a guy left and right, juke him out of his shorts just to you know to be able to make plays after the catch. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to be wide receiver one. He'll be a top three pick. Um, you know, if there's a team in the top three that passes on Marvin Harrison Jr. when they could have taken him, I think they may be regretting that that decision. You look at Keon Coleman, Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze. Those are the three guys that I think are battling it out for that number two receiver spot. Keon Coleman, um, highlight reel catches. You know, 6'4", 215, only a junior. Um, and look, you know, he came from Michigan State to Florida State. You know, he's a basketball player. The physicality you see out on the football field, uh, you know, every time that he, he makes, a, makes a play out there, you see the athleticism, uh, the physicality with which he plays. Uh, but Malik Neighbors is going to be a guy that's going to really push for um, – push for that number two spot. I think that wide receiver two is still, like I said, open. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the testing is going to answer a lot of the questions because you want, you really want to see just how fast is Keon Coleman, how fast is, is, uh, MJH. Um, but 
Malik Neighbor, 6'1", 188, a guy that I think he can play on the outside, he can play on the slot, the versatility. You know, there, there aren't a ton of receivers that are able to do that. Over 1,200 yards this, this season, 17.8 yards per catch, 10 touchdowns, just a dynamic player on the outside. And then Romo Dunze is just a vertical threat. 6'3", 200 pounds, uses that big body to his advantage, shielding the ball from the defenders. Um, he's more than just a vertical threat, but that's really you know, really where he's showcased uh, his ability. Uh, back shoulder throws, again, being able to use that big frame. Back-to-back, 1,100-yard seasons, 18.6 yards per reception, nine touchdowns. Uh, the vertical presence is is real with with Romo Dunze. Then you've got you know Mecca Buka, who uh, he's a tremendous athlete in his own right. Six one two zero three battled some injuries this year again, um, but look you know the, the the ability to get in and out of his breaks. Uh, you know he's more of a possession guy, but a, you know definitely one of those receivers that um, should be considered a a, a first rounder. Um, then you get into the Texas guys. You got a uh, you know Adonai Mitchell, 6'4", 196 pounds. All he does is catch touchdowns, and then you've got the explosiveness of uh, of Xavier Worthy. Uh, you know a guy that's just really a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's weird because you know Adonai Mitchell. You look at his stats. You know 637 yards uh, and nine touchdowns. Um, you know K State. He had the big game, 149 yards uh, through the air and a touchdown. But, uh, you know, not going to have eye-popping numbers, but you watch his ability to make plays down the field. You watch his ability to adjust to the football in the air and then utilize that size to his advantage. Then you've got a guy like Xavier Worthy. Uh, over, you know, just under 2,500 yards in his career so far with, with Texas and 25 touchdowns. But, you know, the, the suddenness with the route running, his ability, this guy is going to be a, a monster in the slot. Actually returned a punt for a touchdown as well. Um, you know, in his 15 punt returns, 18.7 yards per return. Um, you know, and sudden, I think, is is one of those words that comes to mind when you think about Xavier Worthy. Um, Troy Franklin, though. He and, and, and Xavier Leggett and, uh, and Tez Walker are, are three big receivers uh, who can run. You watch Troy Franklin against USC, against Washington, a guy that can get vertical in a hurry and run by you. 6'2", 170. He's got sprinter speed. Uh, and speaking of sprinter speed, Xavier Leggett has that has that speed as well. He's 6'3", 227. And I think they had him topped out at, what, 23 miles an hour or something like that? I mean, it's something ridiculous for a guy his size. He reminds me a lot of, of uh, you know the, the hype around DK Metcalf. I think, you know, when you watch him, I'll be curious to see what, like, the three-cone drill, you know, what that is going to look like, that stop and start, that that uh, change of direction. That's really what hurt DK's draft stock and really started pulling him into the second round. And then with Tez Walker, uh, you know, this is a guy, you know, he could come back for another year. You know, he, he, he was the guy that uh, was ruled ineligible by the NCAA, um, you know, a guy that was at Kent State, comes to North Carolina once he's – been out on the field at 6'3", 200 pounds, this is a guy that just continues to get vertical on guys. Just, you know, he uses the big body to his advantage, but, you know, he, he's so long. Um, you know, you look at, you know, from, what, Miami, uh, you know, six catches for 132 yards, 11 catches for 146 yards against Virginia, you know, four touchdowns in those two games, then against Duke in, in a two-overtime thriller, uh, seven catches, 162 yards, um, and when you look at that in just six games, 600 yards receiving, 
17.1 yards per reception and six touchdowns, catching passes from, from Drake May. He's become instantly become that number one receiver and really made North Carolina's offense really a more high-powered offense. When you look at that tight end position, uh, you know obviously losing Brock Bowers uh, really kind of hurt the the overall uh, stock there of the tight end position. But now that Brock Bowers is back, uh, you know look, you know that that's not going to hurt his draft stock any. Um, but it, it really started wanting to look at the the overall landscape of the position. And uh, you know Brock Bowers to me top ten pick. You know if I'm if I'm a team that's not looking for a quarterback, look if the Rams aren't looking for an eventual replacement for Matt, Matthew Stafford, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Get Brock Bowers in there with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Are you kidding me? I mean, all you need you know, uh, is a healthy Matthew Stafford, and you're having fun with that offense. Uh, Jatavian Sanders battled some injuries. Um, you know, But look, he, he's still a guy that can be a weapon down the field. Um, Mitchell, Mitchell Evans of Notre Dame, Luke Lachey of Iowa, a couple of juniors, both bit with the injury bug. Same with Thomas Yasmin out of Utah. Those guys are all out for the year, all torn knees. Um, so that's kind of helped Cade Stover with his draft stock. This is a guy that's shown that he can get down the seam, and he's, he's improved as a blocker as well. I think Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, uh, guys that are physical in the running game there with Nicholas Singleton and, uh, and Katron Allen, but uh, guys that have proven that they can catch the football down the field. And then A.J. Barner there at Michigan, um, a, a guy that, you know, he's, he's there with uh, you know, Colson Loveland, who's more of the receiver. Barner's known as the blocker, uh, but a guy that I think is, you know, because of that blocking ability, I think that's something that's really valued. Uh, you know, and people really lose sight of that. You know, you saw Keeft was drafted in the sixth round, and, and this was a guy that never caught passes for, for the Gophers at all. Um, we talk about tackles. I think Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt is one of the more fascinating uh, duels there. Olu Fashanu, uh, the athleticism is unreal. I mean, this is a guy, he gets out of his stance so quickly, he's waiting for guys uh, to to get to the outside. Uh, you see his ability to drop anchor. Uh, you know, the, the ability to move laterally is is phenomenal. Look, the footwork, there's no, no real issue there. Uh, the big thing is... Um, you know, just being strong, being able to continue to drive. Uh, and that's something that I think when you watch them against Michigan, uh, keeping those hands inside, he was, he was you know, standing up Braden McGregor, finishing his block, driving him to the, de- to the ground. Uh, you know, you saw his ability to extend those long arms in the run game and, and drive guys, you know, turn him to the outside, steer him where he wants him to. Um, you know, I saw him take on Kenneth Grant, got his hands inside, kept his feet moving, kept Grant in front. Rove him off the football. Um, a guy that, uh, you know, look, Michael Hall Jr., you know, got a really quick burst off the ball, able to open up, block down on the, the defensive tackle, open up, uh, you know, big running lane for the running back, uh, awareness to pick up uh, defensive tackles coming around on stunts. Um, you know, you see him, you know, the ability to recover. You know, you saw that with JT Tui Molowau, um, or sorry, Tui Molowau. Um, spin move to the inside, was able to then recover and get him back in front. I think Joe Alt is another guy, though, that is, is phenomenal. He watches um, you know, the, the balance, the, the knee bend. Uh, he's consistent with, with the hand placement. He's a technician, uh, good athleticism uh, on, you know, against Clemson. Pulled around to the right on consecutive plays. Gains a 20 a 26 by, by Estime. Athleticism, sealing his man to the inside on the first play and then seal uh, the edge so that Estime can then get to the outside on the other. Um, 
just you know the, the bend. That's one of the things that I, I see you know just c consistently looking at my notes. Uh, the ability to anchor. Um, you, you watch him taking on bull rushes, and he takes a couple of steps back, digs in, and then is able to just sit there and anchor and stand his man up. Um, hand placement. Uh, you know, going up against Ashton Gelati, you know, who's a you know really you know good uh, edge rusher there for for Louisville, being able to handle him as well. You see the choppy steps, uh, being able to mirror guys. Uh, you know, one of the things you know he did get bowled over by Mason Regier. Uh, Regier uh, got to Sam Hartman for the sack near the end of the first half there against Louisville. Um, so pad level at times, you know, can be an issue for him. Um, so I've got him at number two. I've got. Fashanu at number one, but the, the I think the battle is going to really be for number three, four, five, and six. Uh, Jordan Morgan, Taliesi Fu, uh, Fuaga, J.C. Latham, Amarius Mims. Now, in the case of Fuaga, 6'6", 334 pounds. He's the right tackle there for Oregon State. And Jordan Morgan is, is Arizona's left tackle, and it's kind of pick your poison when, you, when you're talking about these two guys. What I love with Fuaga is the physicality. You see the power. He just kind of throws guys around at times. Um, you know, But guys that size should not be able to move as well as he does. He's able to get out and pull and get out you know, to the second level in a hurry. You see the lateral agility there in, uh, you know, in the ability to, you know, on his kick slides, you know, he's so quick out of his stance. Um, one of the things that he needs to watch is is that inside move. He'll get get caught leaning a little bit. You saw that against Colorado. Arden Walker, Jordan Dominic were able to take take advantage of that. Um, but what I loved was he didn't let that happen again as he was going up against those guys. You know that he started to be able to make that power step and get back to the inside to wall them off. Uh, you know, to me, you know, Taliese Fuaga, if you're looking for a right tackle, Fuaga is going to be your guy. And if you're looking for a left tackle, then it's going to be Jordan Morgan, no doubt about it. You watch him against UCLA, and whether it was Gabriel Murphy, uh, Leatu Latu, uh, you know, Carl Jones Jr., Grayson Murphy, um, he handled them all. Handled every single one of them. You watch his, the hands, the ability to strike, uh, you know, the, the the punch is, is pretty violent, and you know he's able to avoid a lot of those chops. That's one of the things that uh, Latu is so good at is he'll chop, and then he'll have that rip, and then he's by you. And he did not allow that to happen. That's one of the things that I thought was impressive. You also saw his ability to, uh, the recovery ability, nearly losing his balance, regains the footing, kept the man in front of him, um, typewriter feet, excellent change of direction, mirrors guys, locks out those arms, and just stays, you know, the balance, like I said, is exceptional. You watch him, though, when he, when he gets a hold of Leatu Latu, was able to take him kind of at the top, you know, top of the pad level at times, kind of drive him away and drive him down to the ground. I love the physicality. I love the movement skills, 6'6", 320. I know that he had the ACL injury, but I think he's back to form. J.C. Latham, 6'6", 335 out of Alabama. Um, you know, the thing for me when I watch J.C. Latham is he's so strong. He's so physical. Once he latches on, it, it's over. You know, that's one of the things that, that you saw. You know, you watched him against uh, Harold Perkins in that LSU game. He was able to, to line him up, keep him in front, and once Perkins worked to the outside the block, he was able to recover, get his hands back on him, force him up the field. When he sits down and keeps that pad level down, he's able to move well laterally and keep that defensive end in front. The pad level will creep up on him at times. You know, he, he took on Mason Smith, stood him up in pass protection easily. So strong at the point of attack, hands on on his man, You know, just kind of leans into him and uh, you know, just generates a lot of movement. 
Um, the, the thing that I worry about him is complacency at times. It, it seems like um, you know, he'll get a little disinterested. Um, you know, it, it also just seems like um, you know the, the the movement isn't always there because he wants to overpower guys, and uh, you know the ability to change directions you don't always see that. Um, so that's something that worries me at times when I watch uh, J.C. Latham play. Um, you know, when I watch him and, and Fuaga, Fuaga moves a little bit better than J.C. Latham, so that's why I've got the nod over him, but they're both really phenomenal right tackles. Then you look at Amarius Mims. He's 6'7", 330. This is kind of the wild card. This is the guy that I think would be the boomer bust guy. Uh, you see the athleticism that's that's apparent. He's been battling injuries. He's going to be coming back. Um, but uh, when he's healthy, the guy moves exceptionally well. Is he going to play at left tackle or right tackle? That's going to be a question. Um, can he make the transition? I think he's athletic enough to be able to do that. Uh, Graham Barton at Duke after that 6'5", 311. Five position versatility, that goes a long way. We know that. You look at Peter Skaronsky. You look at uh, you know Rashawn Slater before that. And uh, you know the thing with Graham Barton, he's battled some injuries. Um, so is he going to be a first rounder? Maybe a late one, early two, but a guy that I think is um, – you know, is prime. You know, wherever he's going to play, um, he's a guy that I think is going to get the job done. Tyler Guyton, 6'6", 306, uh, Oklahoma's right tackle. I think this is a guy that's still raw. He's still developing, but you see the athleticism there. And then Javon Foster, for me, um, he and Patrick Paul out of Houston. Javon Foster, um, he's 6'5", 319. I think he's had a phenomenal season. I, I, when I watch Foster play, um, you know, he's held up well against a lot of edge rushers. I watched him against Georgia, whether it was Marvin Jones Jr. or Michael Williams. It didn't matter who he had going up against him. He was able to keep him, use his length, use that size to his advantage. He's not the, the most fleet of foot. He's not the most athletic. But, man, it just seemed like it didn't matter who it was. You know, he was picking up Smell Munden and drove him up the field. Uh, you know, Michael Williams stood him up, slowing that rush off the edge. Uh, getting the pad level under Marvin Jones and then just being able to drive him away. Um, you watched him. There was a third down rep against Mason Smith. First tried to win to the inside move and, and an arm over. Use those hands to kind of shove him away and, and create that distance and then be able to, to go back to work and, and beat him. But uh, So I think the athleticism at times can get him a little bit in trouble. But uh, you know he's, he's a guy that... Uh, I need to watch more film of because it's one of those things to where he looks so lumbering, especially when he's pulling, that you're like, this guy isn't the most athletic. But, man, he dominates a lot of guys there at, at the point of attack. So I, I need to definitely watch more film there. Patrick Paul is a guy that's going to maul you, out-physical you. Um, so another guy that I think is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Troy Fatanu out of Washington, the guard. Let's talk about him for a second because Troy Fatanu. Um, I think was on everybody's radar as a guard. Look, what he's been able to do, he's only 6'4", 312, but uh, his his athleticism there, his ability to, um, with his kick slide, showing that, that uh, lateral agility, he's a guy that I think could play tackle if he needs to, um, but it's one of those, you know, there was, against USC, excellent job with recovery. Uh, Solomon Bird wins with the spin move to the inside to beat him, showed the athleticism to spin back around himself and then wash Bird down the line. Um, you know, you watch the physicality. This is a guy that loves to get his hands on you and drive you off the football. Um, there, 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 there's one thing that you, you saw against Connor O'Toole there of Utah. 
kept beating him to the inside with these arm overs and he wasn't able to recover. He was leaning to that to the outside and trying to kind of get that head start. And uh, you know that he was really susceptible to those inside moves, especially there with Connor O'Toole. But he's so light on his feet, good knee bend. I think he's a guy that uh, you know could he play tackle? Sure, but I think he you know put him put him in, let him play guard right away. Um, I think he's a guy that can end up being a first rounder. Cooper Beebe, 6'4", 322, has that that tackle guard potential. I think he could be a Pro Bowl guard. Uh, physical, nasty, much like Zach Zinter. I think the, those are your three top guards. Zach Zinter, 6'6", 315. He's looking to maul you, drive you into the ground. Uh, very physical as a as a pass protector for sure. Uh, also likes to get dirty in the run game. And then when you look at the defense, defense, um, you know, it, it's kind of up in the air. You know, in a lot of these positions, you know, who's the number one defensive end? Like true, pure defensive end, a guy that's going to put his hand in the dirt. I still have Jay, Jared Verse as my number one guy, 6'4", 251. I know if you look at the stats there for the Florida State Seminole, uh, you know, he transferred in from from Albany. But this is a guy that has put in the work and uh, just I think he continues to get better, really. You know, 17 tackles for loss and nine sacks last year. This year, just six, six and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. But look, teams are really focusing in on him. And you're seeing other guys like Joshua Farmer and Patrick Payton and a lot of these other guys making plays because Jared Verse is drawing so much attention. Um, you know, when he came over from, from Albany or to Albany, you know, I thought it was really a, a great story because I, I want to say he was a tight end. And starts there as as that tight end. And then after that, I think it was 212 pounds. And that was before COVID. Once it hit, he worked out every day, bulked up to 240 pounds, became an edge rusher, and the rest is history. So he's still relatively new to the position. You see the speed rush. You see the ability to, you know, he doesn't bend nearly as well as some of these guys. But, man, he faked, you know, I was watching the Miami game. He faked an inside rush, got the left tackle leaning, and then used those hands to chop down and clear to the outside, bends around, getting to the quarterback, um, you know, you know, against Wake Forest. He drove his hands into the body of the left tackle, bull rush up the field while bending into the pocket, got off the block to kind of get it on the sack with, with Patrick Payton. Um you know, slap, arm over, beating the tackles. This is also a guy that can set the edge against the run. I, I To me, he, he's a guy that I think is still the number one edge rusher. But, uh, I'm sorry, uh, defensive end. Uh, but JT Tui Moloal, look, 6'4", 270. I watch him and you know against Maryland, the speed rush, getting to the quarterback as that wide nine. Um, you watch the bull rush as well, his ability to get under pad levels. Um, you know, he, he attacked... Uh, Olu Fashanu, you know, uh, attack the outside, both hands to the outside shoulder, speed to power to kind of drive through him to the quarterback, hit Drew Aller's arm as he was trying to throw. Um, you know, you just watch the bull rush over and over. Um, there was another play, it was a fourth and 30 play uh, against Penn State. Left hand to the right shoulder pad of, of Fashanu, bull rush, drove him back all the way to Aller for the sack. So that's one of the things, again, with Fashanu, he still needs to improve the strength. Uh, with, with his game that I think uh, all probably has you know has an edge on um, but I think you know Fashanu has the has the athleticism for sure um, but back to, to Moloal I mean Penn State is, is where he just comes in and just dominates um, but you watch him in a lot of other games you know I watched him against Indiana speed off the edge get into the quarterback so quickly I think a lot of people are going to get caught up with the stats you look at uh, JT and uh, just five and a half tackles for loss, 
four sacks, but it's it's all about the pressures. You know, the sacks. You know, I, I think you have to to take that with a grain of salt at times. I think you have to look at the pressures, and, and this is a guy that's continuing to rack up the pressures. More while actually, according to Pro Football Focus, among all edge rushers, uh, you know, he's 14th in the country with 27 hurries. Uh, this is a guy also 14.8% win rate. So Molowau is the guy that I, I think you have to keep an eye on. Another guy that I really like is is Braylon Trice. You know, when you talk about sacks, you look at the four sacks, you're like, ugh, four sacks, that's that's not just not gonna get it done. But then you look at the the effectiveness that he has. You know, he's affecting the game in a lot of different ways. Twelve hits, you know, that's uh, hits on the quarterback, that's tied for second in the country. And then you look at the total number of hurries, he leads the country with 38 quarterback hurries to go along with those four sacks that I just mentioned. Uh, you know, with, with Braylon Trice, you know, he, he's physical. He's not going to bend like some of these other guys. When you talk about explosiveness, he's not going to be that guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that is going to be right around the quarterback. He's just, you know, he's he, he doesn't make the splash plays, but you watch his, his presence is felt early and often. I think that's something that uh, you, you really like when you watch Braylon Trice play is number eight. You're, you're going to be in it for the long haul, having to deal with him. He's a guy that can set the edge as well. You're going to see the bull rush driving guys back into the backfield, but he can bend. He can dip. He can bend. I think that's something that you know people forget that he can do, but he can absolutely do that. He can absolutely get that done. He can bend a little bit. So I've got Trice definitely in my top five when we're talking about just defensive ends. Uh, another guy that that's a big I'm a big fan of is Brandon Dorless. This is a guy who has scheme versatility. He could be uh, a five technique and a 34 defense. Um, he kicks inside, kind of on the, some of those NASCAR packages, third downs to be an interior edge rusher. He can also uh, just be a, a four-three defensive end. He's six-three, 290 pounds. Um, you know, 12, 27 tackles for loss, 12 sacks in his career, six and a half. Uh, going for loss and five sacks this year, six pass breakups as well. This is a guy that's winning um, at, at a much better rate. Um, you know, just winning those one-on-one -on -one matchups and a guy that can affect the game. He's you know making plays even when he's not the guy that's making the tackle. He's the guy that's blowing up plays there for the Ducks. Um, you know that defense is going to go as he does. So continue to watch him making plays there in the backfield. Uh, how about Landon Jackson out of Arkansas? Six seven two eighty one. Um, you know I think consistency is really the biggest thing for him. Uh, but Landon Jackson, I think, really made a name for himself uh, in that Alabama game. I think that's really where he made. Uh, made some of that money. You watch him, you know, the, the jump off the edge, the swipe, the rip on the left tackle. Caden Proctor bends, dips under, turns the corner, gets to the quarterback. That was only his fourth of the season. But then uh, later on, going against Caden Proctor again, taking advantage, I think, of the youth there at that left tackle spot. But speed rush again, chops down on the outside arm, rip with with a swipe, clears, bends, gets to the quarterback again. You love the size, you love the physicality, you love his bend, you love the athleticism. You just want to see him be more consistent. I think Darius Robinson is showing, you know, at 6'5", 296. He's got some scheme versatility to him. He's a guy that is continually beating guys on the interior. Mohamed Kamara, uh, look, 6'1", 250 there out of, out of Colorado State. He's a guy that is continuously getting to the quarterback. I think he's a guy that we have to be talking about. Uh, you know, 12 sacks, 25 hurries, eight hit, uh, quarterback hits. Uh, a guy that just continues to win. Look, 19% win rate as well. Um, you have to be talking about him. 
probably, you know, is he a, a day two guy? Probably not, but definitely early day three. Uh, Justin Aboigby um, at 6'5", 296. You know, look, there's always going to be a defensive end every year that you're going to be looking at coming out of Alabama. Aboigby um, is the, the next guy. I think you have Byron Murphy last year. It'll be him this year. You know, Ashton Gelati, I mentioned him earlier. You know, when you look at the dimensions, he's 6'2", 270, I want to say. Um, but a guy that just continues to get to the quarterback. Eight sacks on the year, 37 hurries, second only to the aforementioned uh, Braylon Trice in that area. Um, so he's another guy that I think we have to be talking about too. Uh, defensive tackles, um, it's Jerzon, Johnny Newton, and then everybody else. 6'2", 285. He's this year's Kalijah Kansi. Um, I think there's no doubt about that. When you look at the numbers, it's ridiculous. Six sacks. Uh, 28 hurries, you know, four hits, you know, from the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, he's so quick coming off the football, and yes, he is undersized. Um, but you know, I, I think he's a guy that teams that are looking for, uh, you know, could he be a you know a five technique? I think he could. He could be a three technique. Could be a Geno Atkins type and a guy that's going to blow up plays from the interior. Um, you know, had 14 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in 2022. He's got six and a half. Five and a half this year, five pass breakups in his career as well. He's the clear-cut number one defensive tackle. If anybody tells you anything else, you know they're, they're crazy. Uh, Leonard Taylor Jr. I think he's a, he's probably number two at this point in my book. Six three three oh five. They're out of out of Miami. He's battled some injuries a little bit, but man, he's really quick off the ball. Wants to get into the backfield in a hurry. Uh, Tavondre Sweat. If you're looking for a nose tackle, a dude that's just gonna. Uh, you know, he's 6'4", 340, he's huge, occupies the point of attack, but he's so athletic. Making plays behind the line of scrimmage, seven and a half tackles for loss this year. And you watch him move, guys his size should not move as well as he does. It's ridiculous. Tyleek Williams out of Ohio State, I think, has had a good year. Um, you know, Chris Jenkins playing like his dad, you know, um, who... You know, was a, a Carolina Panther. I, I look at Chris Jenkins. I, I think he's a guy that's going to continue to to improve his draft stock. Dante Corleone, uh, 6'2", 320, has shown the ability to get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, you know, he's he's mostly known as a run stuffer there at 6'2", 305. But you know, hey, you know, back to back seasons, five, you know, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. So if if nothing else, you can say that he's he's consistent. If you want a sleeper. My sleeper is Patrick Jenkins out of Tulane. You know, this is a guy, another undersized defensive tackle, but a guy that can make plays along the interior of that line. Nine tackles tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. A guy that is relentless getting after the quarterback. A lot of fun to watch along the interior of that line there for the green wave. Um, I, I think you know Howard Cross has also shown the ability you know to, to hold the point of attack, to be physical, use his hands, to power the bull rush, and then some of that short uh, short area agility. You know, I think those are things that kind of jump off when you watch the film with him. Um, outside linebackers, the edge rushers, I think Dallas Turner and Chop Robinson, that's going to be the battle for the number one spot. Um, I may end up leaning Chop Robinson just because of the, the explosiveness. You watched Michigan purposely move from their passing game to the run because of Chop Robinson, because of his ability to get off the ball so fast and get into the backfield. Um, you know, they, they couldn't block him. Carson Barnhart could not block him. There was no need to even move 44 over and, and try his, his hand at Ladarius Henderson because Carson Barnhart couldn't even put his hands on him, uh, you know, let alone block him. Um, you know, Dallas Turner, you know, you, you love the physicality, a guy that, that uh, 
you know, can, can bend, can come off the edge, be an explosive edge rusher. Uh, you know, a guy that can affect the running game as well. Uh, but I, I'm, I've got Dallas Turner as my number one, but I'm kind of leaning more towards chop. But then you look at Layatu Latu, 6'4", 265, and this is really the battle, right? I think when you're talking about things at the edge rush position because Latu, 12 sacks, uh, you know, which is tied for fourth in the country. You look at the number of hits. He's right up there. You know, Jared Verse has 10. Latu sitting there at 9, right, you know, right behind him. Braylon Trice again with those 12. And then he's sixth in the country in hurries with 31. So not only is he getting to the quarterback at a high rate uh, in terms of finishing and making that, that splash play, if you will, with the sacks, but he's also affecting the play, you know, really making the quarterback uncomfortable. The hurries, the hits, those are things that teams are going to look at. And to me, he, he's the most... Uh, consistent of the edge rushers because he's consistently applying pressure. The chop and the rip are just phenomenal. You watch him on his bend, you know, he, he does this rip and then he kind of holds on to that arm to kind of help slingshot him around and really make sure that that arm doesn't try to reposition and, and kind of keeps him locked in there as he's bending around the edge and, and gets to the quarterback in a, in a hurry. Uh, you know, Latsu, it's it's difficult to really say. I think the medicals are going to be huge. You know, UCLA's doctor came out and ultimately said, look, this guy can play and he'll be all right. You know, Washington's doctor basically said he was going to have to retire due to the head and neck injuries that he sustained there. Um, but look, you know, Latsu, to me, you know, he, he's a guy that's, you know, he's a, he'll be a, a first-round pick. Depending on the medicals, he can end up being a top-15 guy. Uh, Jonah Ellis is the guy that I think has really risen up draft board. 6'2", 246, the junior out of Utah. Could decide to come back for another year. This is a guy that, look, you know, he bends, comes off the edge. Uh, 13 sacks on the year. 26 hurries as well. Um, you know, a guy that, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the win rate at 18.8. You know, again, these are a lot of guys that are winning at, at such a high clip. Um, you know, look, none of the guys that we've mentioned so far have hit the 20.9 that we've seen out of Leatu Latu. Uh, you know, we just haven't seen that with, with a lot of these guys. Um, so again, Latu is a guy, again, if the medicals check out, um, he's going to be right there. Dallas Turner, just so you know, eight sacks, eight hits, 24 hits, and then 18.3 on that win rate. So, you know, right in that same that same ballpark with a lot of these guys. You know, with Jonah Ellis, he's got the spin move. That's a pen, patented move. Um, but he's got a lot of other counters as well. Um, you know, look, I was waiting for him to make a, an appearance there against Washington, but between Troy Fatanu and uh, Roger Rosengarten, he disappeared. They, they handled him. They took care of him and cleared him out. And that was really disappointing to see um, because I think Utah really needed him coming off the edge. Uh, Barrett Carter, uh, look, you know, he's kind of an off-ball linebacker, but he's, he's outside linebacker, so I kind of have him in this group. 6'1", 220 pounds. Um, a guy that just flies around and makes plays, man. You know, that's that's something that, that is evident when you watch him play. He and Jeremiah Trotter uh, work well together. Uh, Princely uh, Uma Milan, they're out of Florida, 6'5", 245 pounds. Uh, solid pass rusher. I think he's still improving in that area. Um, and when you look at the hurries, he has 26 under his belt, same number that uh, that Jonah Ellis has, one shy of, of J, uh, JT Tui uh, Molowau and just too shy of of, uh, of Johnny Newton, but uh, I think his game is really against the run. 
You see his ability to set the edge at times. You see his ability to chase down the ball carrier. I, I think he's an underrated edge rusher and a guy that uh, you know I think is going to continue to move up draft boards. Peyton Wilson. This dude seems to be everywhere there for NC State. 6'4", 238. This is a guy that has battled injuries. I think that's really the biggest thing that uh, you talk about with number 11 there for the Wolfpack. But uh, 376 tackles in his career, 42.5 going for loss, 13 sacks, 6 interceptions, 13 pass breakups. Guy does it all. He's all over the field. You know, he's so intelligent, plays smart. Um, but the injuries... You know that, that's something. You know, are they going to catch up to him? That's something that that uh, you know you have to be mindful of. Um, you know, came on Ricker uh, Rucker out of uh, North Carolina is a guy that I think we have to talk about. He had all those sacks early on, um, eight sacks, thirty-seven hurries. So he's still you know getting to the quarterback and, and pressuring. Um, you know, he's got a twenty percent win rate as well. Um, a, a guy that just seems to continue to live in the backfield. He's a guy that's definitely improved his draft stock coming off the edge for the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, inside backers, Jeremiah Trotter doing Jeremiah Trotter things. Um, he took over that game there against Notre Dame, including that pick six. Uh, he's a guy, you know, we're going to continue to see his draft draft stock uh, continue to rise. Edgerin Cooper has been about as consistent a linebacker as, as you'll find. Um, this is a guy that I don't think anybody really had in there um, on their radar at the top of, of their draft boards. And if they did, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised. You know, had three sacks against Alabama, has, uh, you know, seven in, in his, uh, in, you know, this season, seven and a half in his career. Uh, so he's really having a career season, 16 tackles for loss, just really putting everything together. You watch the instincts, his ability to drive on the football in a hurry. Same thing with Jalen Ford out of Texas. You know, he's not the best, you know, not, not the best athlete of this group, you know, by, by a long shot. But one of the things that I love about 41 for, for Texas, 6'2", 221, is his ability to, to locate the football. Uh, six interceptions in the last two seasons with the Longhorns uh, over what he had 119 last season, 74 this year so far, uh, 10 tackles for loss in each of the last two seasons. Uh, just a nose for the football. I think he's one of the more underrated inside linebackers. Smail Mondin, you know, he's covering running backs out of the backfield, guys. You know, that, that just shouldn't happen for a guy 6'3", 225. Uh, very athletic. Junior Colson out of Michigan is another guy that's, you know, extremely athletic. Um, I, I think teams are going to look at Danny Stutzman, 6'4", 238. Um, nose for the football, scrapes over the top. He gets lost at times. And that's one of the things that you still worry about um, there you know, in Brett Venable's scheme. But a guy that I think is continuing to get better uh, and better each and every year. I hope he comes back for one more season. Um, I think he kind of needs that because I think he's kind of a step behind some of these guys. Tommy Eichenberg uh, just knows for the football. Cedric Gray continues to make plays for North Carolina. Uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson is a Buckus Award winner. I'm sorry, Buckus Award finalist a season ago. Breaks his forearm this year. So it's kind of that same thing, you know, the Nolan Smith with the pec tear. You know, does he come out? You know, that, that'll be an interesting dynamic to see how that plays out. When you look at the cornerbacks, I think Cooper, you know, or Kool-Aid McKinstry, Cooper DeGene are your top two corners. I think there's really no question about that. You know, with Kool-Aid, uh, you know, he's just so smooth. You, you love the, the the hips, the fluid hips, his ability to turn and run. The ball skills are evident. 22 pass breakups in his career. Also a guy that can has some returnability. With Cooper DeGene, you're also getting that returnability as well. You know, we saw that that punt. Um, you know, I think he's learned never to make any hand gestures that would even insinuate a uh, a uh, a fair catch. But uh, still, uh, you know, look, 
13.1 yards uh, per punt return in his career over the last two seasons. Has taken one to the house this year. This guy just has a nose for the end zone. Five interceptions last year, three that were taken to the house. 13 pass breakups, seven total interceptions in his career. Uh, these guys, obviously, are the two lockdowns. Nate Wiggins, you know, he's 6'2", uh, 185 pounds out of, uh, out of Clemson. He's the guy that I think is going to continue to move up some draft boards. Um, you know, he's uh, battling some injuries right now, so that's one of the things I think Clemson, um, you know, has just been battling a lot of injuries across the board. Uh, but I love his, his fluid, you know, fluidity, his ability to make plays on the football. Kalen King there out of Penn State. You know, I, I don't know what to do with Kalen King because he's a tremendous athlete. He's only 5'11", 187 pounds. He's so physical. But but the game tape against uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you know, he, he struggled in that matchup. And, and look, he's going to have to be much more consistent if he wants to be a, a first-rounder. I think he still ends up being a first-rounder, but I think there are a lot of guys that are nipping at his heels. One of those is Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Six foot, 197 pounds. I don't know why people aren't talking about this guy. Um, has yet to give up a touchdown this season. Um, Ten pass breakups. Has an interception you know, under his belt as well. Uh, has just given up 202 yards total in his uh, uh, during the season. And when you look at Quinion Mitchell, uh, you know his ability to drive so quickly on the football. The ball skills absolutely are evident. Had five interceptions a season ago. Look. 41 pass breakups in his career with the, the Toledo Rockets. I, I look at him. I think he could be a first-rounder. I, I think there are a lot of people that would beg to differ, but I think this is a guy that has exceptional ball skills. You love the athleticism, and if he times well, I think he's the guy that can end up vaulting into round number one. Kalen Carson, the same way. Look, six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, this is a guy that can lock guys down. Uh, hasn't had an interception in the last two years, but you know, it really, you know, he. he Teams kind of shy away from him. I think teams have learned early on that you don't want to throw around Kalen Carson. Uh, you watched him against uh, you know Keon Coleman. You know he wraps up in a hurry, drives on him, and stays right there. Uh, there was one play. There was a box fade right on his hip as Coleman tried to elevate, gave him no separation on him like glue, able to get a hand in and make a play. Wasn't afraid to be physical with Keon Coleman. I think that's one of the things that you saw. Um, you know he did take a poor angle on a quick hitch. And Coleman was able to take it in for, for the touchdown. Real tight coverage against Coleman on a 14-yard touchdown. Was fighting with them over the top. Receiver just attacked his leverage. Ball thrown to the outside. He never got his head around. So, you know, obviously there, there's a little bit of work to do there in terms of some of the technique. He's only a junior, so he could come back for another season. But I thought, you know, he definitely held his own. Definitely physical. Definitely wasn't afraid of the challenge going up against a big receiver like Keon Coleman. Uh, you know, I think... Chris Abrams' dream has definitely been a guy that's impressed me as well. Um, you know, I, I thought that um, against Tennessee, he got beaten badly by uh, Dante Thornton on a 46-yard touchdown pass, uh, you know, thrown to the end zone. But uh, you watched him against Ra Ra Thomas. I thought he locked him down, um, driving quickly on the football, um, you know, able to make plays on the ball. Uh, driving in, uh, you know, he just seemed to continue to attack Rara, attack those hands, make plays on the football. Um, and when he did make a catch, there was no yak. He was wrapping him up. I, I think Abrams drains one of those guys. When you talk about, you know, the the, the slot corners, he's going to be one of those first guys that people are going to be talking about. But I think Kamari Lassiter, Denzel Burke, TJ Tampa, uh, are all guys that we can be talking about on the outside. Are they going to be first rounders? 
you know, I, I think you know, th there's there are a lot of guys that could be in that consideration. Um, so I, I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, how well do they test? What do they look like in a lot of those uh, those workouts? And really, I need to study a lot more film on a lot of the DBs. To be perfectly honest with you, um, you know, it's just hard watching a lot of the the live footage. You really have to watch a lot of the all 22 footage to really get a good gauge on on the corners and, and being able to read the routes and, and the leverage and um, you know their fluidity it's kind of hard to watch um, if you're just watching the broadcast at the safety position I think Cam Kitchens just looks like, he looks like a first rounder to me you know when you watch him play 5'11 202 pounds when you look at the stats with with Kitchens um, you know, four interceptions this year, six a season ago. So that's 10 if you're doing the math. Uh, 15 pass breakups as well. Um, you know, a guy that just flies around. He makes plays. He's physical in the box. Um, you know, he makes plays, like I said, over the – I mean, he's got he's got a nose for the football. We know that. Um, but uh, the ability to read and, and diagnose plays in a hurry. He can be a physical hitter coming downhill against the run. We saw that against North Carolina. You'll watch him read plays. Um I think there was a play where, uh, you know, Casey Concepcion there for NC State on a seam route. MJ Morris was trying to, to bend the receiver to the inside. Kitchens closed on the football, nearly made a pick as that, that center fielder. Uh, you know, a guy that is going to come down, he's going to be physical with you. He's a guy that is going to um, just has a nose for the football. And, you know, as a free safety, that's the guy that you want. Um, you know the physicality. I talk about talked about Kalen Bullock at the beginning of the podcast and about how he gets. You know he's getting lost in coverage. But even if he was that great center fielder, he struggles. You know he takes poor angles. He's not much of a tackler. Not really all that effective in the run game. He's a guy that's going to come down and attack your legs, but he's not going to wrap up. And, and so guys are able to make you know easily uh, bounce off of him, uh, break his tackles, and and pick up extra yards. Cam Kitchens is not that guy. Um, you know, Tyler Newman, 6'2", 205. To me, he's that number two uh, safety and a guy that I think could end up being a first-rounder. Um, I think he has that, that ability. Look, you know, when you talk about interceptions, he's got 12 in his career, four in each of the last two seasons, had three in 2021. Um, you know, 11 pass breakups as well. Also has 203 tackles uh, to, his, to his name. Uh, but this is a dude who just seems to fly around and, and make plays for the Gophers. Um, you know, he gets gets over the top. Um, that's something that you definitely see over the top and, and make plays. But he also comes down as in, is physical and aggressive in the run game. Um, you want him in the box. He's the guy that's going to get to the perimeter and take guys out in a hurry. Um, so he, he's, to me, he, Tyler Newman is one of those guys who's just a lot of fun to watch uh, patrolling the back end of the defense uh, because of the size and the physicality. Cole Bishop out of Utah. This guy's a playmaker. You know, he's the guy that's going to come up. He's going to hit you in the mouth. Um, he's physical at the point of attack. When he got the targeting and was out for the first half, um, I'm trying to remember which game it was, but it definitely you saw that with Utah that they, they missed his presence on the back end. Um, so, you know, I, I think when you watch a guy, when you lose that that guy on the back end, you want to see how they, you know, how a team responds. And I thought that, you know, that was telling when you watched, uh, you know, Cole Bishop's absence really felt. Um, I think Xavier Watts out of Notre Dame is a guy that's moving up some draft boards for sure. Uh, this guy's a converted receiver, has seven interceptions in his career. He just puts himself in a place to make plays. He's got tremendous hands. 
Um, that's one thing that Beanie Bishop of West Virginia does not have. He's known as kind of the interception dropper um, because you look at the pass breakups, Beanie Bishop with 13 has four interceptions, but of those 13 pass breakups, a lot of those could have been picks. Um, so Beanie Bishop, he's a corner out of West Virginia. He's a guy that um, I, I think has some ability. He's a guy that I think is going going to get himself drafted. But, uh, man, just hold on to the football. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. I think he's up to 19 pass breakups now, uh, now that I think about it. But when you talk about Xavier Watts, getting back to him, you love the hands. You love, you know, look, he's got the receiver hands as a converted receiver. He runs plays like a receiver uh, as well, understands the route concepts, and uh, puts himself in a position, like I said, to make plays. And so I think that is going to benefit him at the next level for sure. Um, you know, I think Bo Brady... Um, out of Maryland, 6'1", uh, 200, very physical. Uh, Jalen Simpson is that veteran presence there for Auburn. Uh, you know, same thing with, with Lathan Ransom. And, and I'll give you one last name, uh, Jaden Hicks out of Washington State. He's 6'3", 209. He's a redshirt sophomore. Keep an eye on him. Um, he, you know, I love his play. I think he'll probably come back to Wazoo for one more year. Uh, but, man, he is a lot of fun to watch. I'll give you a couple of sleepers, guys, that you know maybe we didn't talk about here at the at the different positions. Uh, Michael Pratt at quarterback, 6'3", 220 pounds. Uh, you love the athleticism. You love the arm strength. Um, he's a guy that, to me, as I watch Michael uh, Michael Pratt play, um, he's got an NFL arm. He looks like he could be an NFL, uh, a starting NFL quarterback. Um, you know, I think he's got one more year potentially there at Tulane. So I think there's a chance that we could see him come back for one more season. Uh, but if he does enter the draft, he'll be a guy that's floating there in that in that day three conversation. But a guy that I think teams you know, may want to jump on and, and definitely latch on to him. Um, I, I said sleepers, but I'm also going to give you a running back that uh, you know needs to really focus on ball control, even more so than Marshawn Lloyd. And that's Carson Steele. Whether you want to call him Thor or Quadzilla, whatever it is they're calling him these days, Carson Steele, he's big, he's physical, he's got a good burst, doesn't shy away from contact. Man, this guy needs to hold on to the football. You know, two fumbles, I think you know, he lost them both in, in a recent game, and it was all because he didn't take care of the football. He didn't um, secure it, look for contact, and ultimately loses the football because of it. You know, how does that happen, right? When you look at the receiver position, um, Drake Stoops out of OU. You know, this is a guy that he may not even get drafted. You know, but when I look at Drake Stoops, he's 5'10", 185 pounds. And, you know, he really didn't come on the scene for OU, um, you know, until the last two seasons. This was a walk-on who ultimately earned a spot. And, uh, you know, look, you know, last season, 393 yards. And then 692 so far this season. Um, I think you know what you really have to talk about is that game against West Virginia. Really, the last two games uh, against West Virginia, 10 catches, 164 yards, and three touchdowns. Game before that, Bedlam against uh, OSU, 12 catches for 134 yards and a score. This is a guy. Look, he has a nose for for the football. Uh, you know, just impeccable route running, so reliable, tremendous hands. 
Um, the catch radius for this kid, you know, he's only 5'10", but man, he just, he knows how to get open, knows how to make plays, and like I said, he's got a nose for that ball, knows where it's going to be, and uh, makes plays on it. You know, there are some throws that Dylan Gabriel put behind him, and he was able to adjust to the football and make a play. I compare him a lot to Hunter Renfro. Renfro, you know, I think, you know, was really hyped up because of the, the games that Clemson played in when he was there and uh, his ability to make the plays in the championship game. Uh, but look, when you look at his stats, you know, 2,100 yards in his career, never had more than, than 602 uh, receiving yards, 15 total touchdowns in his career there at Clemson, and right around the same size, was a fifth-round pick of the Raiders. And, uh, you know, look, you know, Hunter Renfro carved out a nice career there with the Raiders. So keep an eye on Drake Stoops. I think he's a guy that we could potentially see himself you know, sneak his way into a draft position when it's all said and done. Um, I think when we talk about the offensive line, a guy I'm keeping my eye on is uh, Christian Haynes out of Connecticut. 6'3", 305. Really not a guy that's under the radar by any means, but you know, a guy that's definitely athletic. I think he moves really well. Um, was a guy that you know I, I thought he did a great job against NC State. Um, you know, going up against a guy like Peyton Wilson, you know, climbing to that second level, getting his hands under him, driving him away from the pocket, allowing ultimately it was a run play by, by Victor Rosa, 15-yard touchdown, um, sealing off linebackers on the backside, getting those hips around to wall off and make a play as well. A guy that was able to, to block down and clear out you know, a, a huge hole for his running back as well. Um, so you love the, the movement, you love the physicality. Um, so he, he's a guy that I think... Um, is going to continue to move up draft boards and keep an eye out for Joshua Gray of Oregon State. I think Oregon State is going to have a final. Is be their O line will be a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. Joe uh, Joshua Gray has a big, uh, big reason for that. Six four two eighty eight. He's not. He doesn't have enough length to be a tackle, but man, he's going to be a really nice guard at the next level. So he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for for sure. When you talk about edge rushers. There's a guy at playing at James Madison. I don't even know if anybody really, uh, you know, is following this guy at all. Uh, but he's, his name is Jalen Green. And, and Jalen Green, you know, if you look at him, he's not the most imposing guy by any means. He's just 6'1 and 245 pounds. And if you look at, at his stat line, you know, prior to this season, you're going to say, well, you know, what has he really done? You know, in 2022 as a junior, uh, just six tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. And a big reason for that was he was playing behind Isaac Ukwu, who wound up transferring to Ole Miss. And now, all of a sudden, this dude is finding ways to get into the backfield uh, at an alarming rate. 21 tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks to lead the country. And when you talk about it, you're like, all right, well, you know, is he is he getting to the quarterback outside of the sacks? You know, what about his, his win rate? Um, you know, 31 hurries. You know, so when you look at that, that 31, that that's good for you know as a tie for six. You know, he's tied with with Leatu Latu in that area. All of these stats are coming from from Pro Football Focus. Thank you very much to Pro Football Focus for uh, for those numbers. And then you know with Jalen Green as well. You know, he's winning at about you know 17 and a half uh, rate. So you know, he's a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback. Um, and, and when you watch him play, um, you know, he has that speed to run coming off the arc. Um, you know, if, if a tackle or a guard gets their hands into his body, that's where he struggles. 
but the hands, the slap, the rip, the bend, getting under the pad level, he's so good. The ankle flexion, that bend keeps him low, keeps him turning that corner in such a hurry. Uh, you love the, the ability, the push-pull to win coming off the edge as well. Flattens out in such a, such a hurry. And then you love the spin move uh, to get inside rush, to get to the quarterback as well. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Green. He's a guy that I think teams need to continue to to watch and keep an eye out for because he's a guy that I think is going to end up moving up draft boards as we continue to go along. And, and there's one veteran uh, that people really haven't been talking about that I'm, I'm really surprised, um, but a guy that if we want to talk about Edger and Cooper and the ability to get after the quarterback, we got to talk about Nathaniel Watson as well. 6'2", 245, and a guy that just continues to, to find ways to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, nine sacks, uh, 11 tackles for loss, 95 total tackles. He's got 335 tackles in his career now, 33 going for loss, 20 sacks. Now, I know the Bulldogs, look, they're four and six this year. It's not going the way that they would have liked Zach Arnett, his first full season as the head coach. Um, but can we get some love for, for Nathaniel Watson? This is a guy that just continues to impress and uh, a guy that I think we're going to be talking about there in that, that mid-day three range, but a guy that I think has the ability to make an NFL roster. And one other guy, I, I don't see him coming out and entering the draft, but because he's a junior and he is draft eligible, I just wanted to mention Jason Henderson out of Old Dominion, 6'1", 220 pounds. <sighs> Come on, 418 tackles. 32 going for loss, six sacks. This guy has a nose for the football. 18 tackles for loss, four sacks. Uh, you know, this year, he's just he's he's a football player, man. This is a guy that you know um, is so physical at the point of attack. Uh, so you love that out of him. But the instincts, he, you know, he's got a nonstop motor. You see the speed laterally. He's able to run guys down from behind. You love him his ability to spy and come downhill. Um, only three missed tackles this year. I think that's another thing. When you look at all the tackles that he has, only three total missed tackles, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you, you love his ability. He doesn't stay blocked. Keeps his eyes on the football and you know uses those hands to stack and shed and get off that block and chase him down. I think the big thing that people will point to is really the question of whether or not he can drop into coverage on a consistent basis. I think he's shown an ability to get after the quarterback at a much better rate this year. So if he does decide to come back to Old Dominion for one more season, uh, that might be something that he wants to be able to showcase for everyone is his ability to drop into coverage, understand you know, the route concepts, you know, show that fluidity in coverage. You know, I, I think he's a tremendous athlete. I think he's a guy that you know, when we talk about guys, we talk about football players, right? And this is a guy that I, I think is a, a tremendous, uh, tremendous player. May not be the most gifted athletically by any means, um, but I, I just happened to watch the, the Monday Night Football game. Uh, you know, the Raiders taking on the Jets, and they, they've been talking about Robert Spillane, right? 6'2", 220 pounds coming out of Western Michigan, uh, but 312 tackles, 32 and a half going for loss, 10 sacks, four interceptions. Uh, you know, a guy that just did a little bit of everything. You look at this guy, um, you know, obviously 
you know, if he continues to get after the quarterback, you know, shows his ability to drop into coverage a little bit, uh, then he'll be a guy that I think people will start start to talk about in that same category as a guy like, uh, you know, Robert Spillane. What I love about Robert Spillane is just the instincts. I loved that when he was a Bronco, and, and his ability to to make plays, you know, wherever it was needed. You know, and you know it was one of those things to where he was pretty consistent in getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, in terms of the the, the tackles, double-digit tackles for loss each of his last two seasons. Uh, you know, and 199 tackles in, in his last two years there with the Broncos as well. Had four interceptions during those two seasons. Um, so it's one of those things when you look at a guy like Jason Henderson, a guy who's already shown the instincts, his ability to play sideline to sideline. I kind of want to see him come back for one more year. I think there's a chance that he could break the record for the total number, you know, the number of total tackles. Um, he's just, he's just so much fun to watch. That knows for the football, he'll take you to the to the football. We had 186 tackles last year. He's already got 154, and uh, you know, let's see what he can do. You know, what he can rack up. Um, you know, when it's all said and done there, um, you know, with the Monarchs. So one last name that I wanted to throw that throw out there for you. And uh, he's a guy that could very well end up coming back for one more year. So let's go ahead and wrap things up. This is uh, my first podcast in a little while. So, uh, you know, I apologize for the length, but I did want to kind of catch things up, kind of give you guys an idea of where my head has been, what I've been thinking when I'm looking at the draft and really where my um, – where my rankings are at this point. And uh, look, you know, if I had to, to guess on a top 10, um, you know, I think at the quarterback spot, you got Caleb Williams, you got Drake May. Um, I, I don't see any other uh, top 10 guys there. Uh, when you look at the receiver position, I think Marvin Harrison is going to be your, you know, obviously a, a top 10 guy. Um, could Keon Coleman, could Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, I think one, maybe two of those guys can end up being uh, top 10 guys. Brock Bowers, there's a no-brainer. He will be a top 10 pick. Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt, they'll both be top 10 guys as well. Um, let's see. After that, you get into the edge rushers. I think Jared Verse is probably going to be a mid-first rounder now. Um, you know, He and, and JT, Tui Moloau, uh, Braylon Trice, Brandon Dorless, those guys could potentially be first rounders. Uh, I think uh, your Jerzon Newton, Johnny, I think he'll probably be right there in, in your round 17, but he won't be a top 10 guy. I think you know Chop Robinson will be a top 10 guy. I think Dallas Turner will as well. I think Chop Robinson, the big thing is, is the production and getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, but the athleticism—that's one of the things that I think you know is going to be in his favor. I, I think if you just looked at straight production, then Liatu Latu would jump to the to the front of the line there for that. I think when you look at the secondary, you got Kool-Aid McKinstry. He'll be a top 10 guy for sure. Um, you know, Cooper DeGene will be right on his heels. Um, I think, you know, Cam Kitchens will be a first rounder. He won't be taken that high. I'm, I'm going to be pounding the table for Jeremiah Trotter to be a first round pick. I think he could be a difference maker there at that inside linebacker spot as well. But uh, if you're scoring at home, I think you got two quarterbacks. I think as many as three receivers potentially. So that's five already, plus Brock Bowers at six. Olu Fashanu and Joe Alt takes you to eight, and we haven't even gotten to the to the defense. We know that Kool-Aid McKinstry is a top corner. He'll, he could be a first round or a top 10 guy. So that's that puts us at nine. You got Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson, 10-11. And then 
maybe Latu if the medicals check out. I don't think Jared Verse will be there. So that's right around, at least right now, that's kind of the gut, not even seeing who, uh, you know, which teams are going to be in there. You know, there are going to be so many teams that are looking for a quarterback. It wouldn't surprise me if Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy end up coming off the board in the top 10, or Michael Penix Jr., any combination of those guys could come off the board in the top 10. But I just, man, you know, this past season, we thought we were going to see four quarterbacks taken in, in the top 10 potentially, definitely in the first round. We only saw three. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis fell to round two. What are we going to see this year? I think obviously we've got a much stronger quarterback class, so there's a good chance that we could see as many as five come off the board in round one. Um, but how many will come off the board in the top ten? Again, we'll have to see just how you know which teams are sitting there at the top of the board, and uh, you know how many teams are desperate for a quarterback. There are a lot of teams that are in need of a QB, so we could very well see a mad dash to try to get up there into the top five, into the top 10 to get a quarterback. I don't see any more than four, but realistically, there are just two quarterbacks that should be taken in the top 10. But that's part of the fun of uh, NFL draft analysis. Breaking these players down is we can speculate all we want. We can do a lot of tape study and analysis, but really at the end of the day, it's going to depend on you know what teams are there, what teams are valuing their quarterbacks. We're not going to have their draft boards. We'll have our own draft boards. And that's part of the fun of it is being able to put those draft boards together. We still have the 2023 season to wrap up before we get into any of the pre-draft process. And I will be here every step of the way for you as well. So I hope you've enjoyed the content to this point. And until next time, everyone, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. And until next time, I am out of here.